Hi, I'm Jamie Bello. This is my husband, Barely. We are missionaries to the Dominican Republic. We've been in the Dominican Republic 24 years now. The last few years have taken an exciting turn in what we do. We started church planning. We began to draw a core team together behind this vision to plant a new model of church to reach the unengaged emerging generation and the urban masses disillusioned by traditional religion. And so we began, and I, I told them that we were gonna train for a whole year, and I asked them to commit to Saturday nights uh, in, my in our home. Sunday mornings would be our service as we trained together. So we started in our home, and then six weeks later, wow, there's this thing called COVID. <laughs> Shutdown, restrictions. We couldn't even meet together, not even the small group of us in our home, and so we had to shift to uh, doing our team meetings Saturday night and Sunday morning on Zoom. But I really believe that God knew beforehand that that was what was gonna happen and he had a different plan. The part of the city that we wanted to plant a church in, it's a gated, gated communities where people drive home and they push the remote control and they go in to their driveway and the gates shut behind. And if you can't get beyond the gates, you can't reach them with for Jesus. So what we had to do that first summer was shift to digital ways to connect. And really, God helped us get beyond the gates through their screens. We did three weeks of kids camps on Zoom, and then we started. Um, I started a mom's Bible study on Zoom and had some of the moms from the school connect. They were feeling lonely. They, you know, couldn't get, even get out of their houses. One of those moms, uh, Later on, after the restrictions started lifting, she told me, I just have always thought that everyone can choose their own path in life, and I'm not really sure that God has anything to do with it. She's never come to visit the church, but she, she'll bring her kids to some of the events that we've had, and our friendship has continued to develop. And you know, just a few months ago, before we returned to the States this summer, she sent me a text and she asked, there's a big decision that's fa that I'm facing and it's gonna, it's gonna mean big changes for my family. I'm wondering if you would pray for me that God might help me with that decision. She has come so much closer in acknowledging that, hey, maybe God does have something to do with our plans for life. This church plant is all about reaching those families. They live beyond the gates and we have to find a way to get outside of the four walls of a church building and engage with real life people and have real life relationships and let them see Jesus in us. God is helping us reach exactly the people that he called us to plant a church for. Good morning, True Grace. How are you? Man, isn't the Dominican Republic in good hands? It's in God's hands with uh, Jamie and her family. And Wendell, you, your family has been so important to me all of my life. I can think of like 30 years ago when a service like this was stopped. And Wendell, you spoke directly to me in that service. And they've been important people, and they're still important people in the kingdom of God. Keep serving. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Good morning, True Grace. 
If you don't know, my name's Ellis, and uh, we've been going to True Grace for about five years, working, living, serving in this community for five years. We love it. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me speak every once in a while, and I love being here. How was your Christmas? Was it good? Was it good? Um, how many dads spent a Christmas assembling, a st- installing, or troubleshooting something? Yeah, me. I was up till like one or something the night before Christmas trying to do stupid stuff with phones. Uh, how many, how many uh, ladies out there wrapped presents? Isn't that a thankless job? You want to give a hand to all the ladies that wrap presents? Here, here's your con- good job. Good job. Feel good about it. Good job. Well, the good news is there's no gifts on New Year's Eve, so you get the day off. Right, yay, yes. And today on the eve of 2024, we all get to reflect, to look back on. How many of you do this? You regularly like look back over the year? I know I see all the things on the internet usually have some kind of a reflection. Your songs that you've played the most over this last year get sent to you. And as if I haven't heard them enough already, that's why they're sending them back to you. There are serious things that happened this past year in the realm of geopolitics, technology, and health. There are sad things that happened, uh, things from natural disasters and wars and other tragedies. Strange things like UFOs and AI and spy balloons. And then surprising and silly things like the weird fact that in 2023, two of the world's largest Social media billionaires challenged each other to a literal cage fight. (laughs) Something like some medieval duel between Facebook and Twitter. It's crazy. Or that a romance united two of the most unlikely brands, the world of football and Swifties. (laughs) And if you don't understand that, don't come ask me. I don't know that I understand it either. This morning, on the last day of 2023, we are not going to look at all of those things. You, can, you have the world for all of that. What we're going to do is take time and reflect on our spiritual things, things that are important, things that will last forever. We're going to take inventory of what's happening, not in the world out there, but in the world in here, so that we can say, not so we can stay where we're at, but so that we can move forward hopefully in a better direction. So for the next few moments this morning, I want to talk through one of the scripture's most well-known prayers of examination. And the point is to help us assess where we're at spiritually so we can move forward in 2024 healthier and hopefully ready to grow like crazy. You ready? All right, let's go. The scripture this morning is out of Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24. And since it's so short, I'd like us to read it together. Can we? The words are going to be on the screen. Would you read it with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, may this scripture be our guide today, and may it be our guide for us for the rest of our lives. 
May we internalize this. May it transform us. And may, God, we look forward to an eternity with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Some of you might know this prayer is written by King David, who was known uh, as a man of, after God's own heart. And David was a man who experienced the full range of human emotions and experiences, and he wrote all about it for us in the Psalms. And the message, that, or the verse we just read, is one of his most famous prayers. There are four components to it, and they are this, search my heart, reveal my fears, uncover my sin, and lead my way. So let's go through these this morning. And first, he says, David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. How many of you can remember a scene? Uh, this is a typical scene in a typical movie. I can think of uh, the Lego movie has a scene in it like this. And when I start to describe it, you'll know exactly what I mean. There's usually a bad guy that's caught, and he's brought to the police station, and he's put into this room. And what are the things in the room when the, police the guy is brought to the police station? Anybody think of what's in that room? There's a, usually a table, right? And a chair, and what else? Camera, a mirror. Hey, wait a second. Have you been in this room before? <laughs> yeah, every movie. If you've seen this, there's sometimes a good cop, bad cop that's going on in this. Yeah, they just do all this stuff. The police chief gets right up in the face of this guy, the bad guy, and he starts putting pressure on. He says, where were you on the night of December 31st? And there's probably some people listening on the other side of the mirrored glass. And the whole point of the scene is to get the criminal to what? Confess, yeah. To put pressure on the guy so intensely that he breaks down sobby, sobbing, and he confesses everything, just like Chunk from The Goonies. Aha, he's caught because he broke the law and the law won. He's led off in handcuffs. Now, you got that picture in your mind? I think that's what some of you think of when you think of this prayer. Search me, O God. It's like putting yourself in the interrogation room and having a big light in your face, searching out everything that you've ever done wrong because God's going to get you to confess He's going to sentence you to time that you have done. Why? Because you're guilty, just like me. That's what you think of when you hear, search me, O God. But what if we thought of search me, O God, in a different way? A couple of years ago, when I was living in Indonesia, the doctors found a tumor in my stomach, and they had to get, do surgery to get it out. And if you've ever had a procedure like this done, you know how it goes. They make you wear this thin robe that doesn't close in the back. They lay you on an operating table. And then they take what appears to be like the sun over the top of you. And it seems to shine from every direction, all these different angles, so that there are no shadows. So you're laying, you're laying there barely covered with a massive light exposing every nook and every cranny. And then they put an injection, injection into your arm, 
They ask you a couple questions. That's the last thing you hear. You wake up and it's all done and the surgery is done. And let's all say a big amen for anesthesiologists and living in the 21st century, right? As a bonus, I came away with two scars. I have a big scar right down the middle here, and uh, there was a hole right here where they used to drain it. And as I tell my nieces and nephews when we go swimming, I tell them that this is a knife fight and this is a bullet hole. (laughs) But they knock you out, right? You're laying there on that table pretty exposed. It's a vulnerable feeling. You're wearing, wearing nearly nothing. And that light exposes everything because it's supposed to, right? You want the surgeon to see what he's doing. I want the operating light. Even though it was a bit uncomfortable, I said, bring it on. I want the surgeon to see everything that's going on inside of me. Why? Because I was sick and I needed him to remove the tumor that was damaging my life. The interrogation light is all about condemnation, but the operation light is about healing. It's necessary. You need the light if you're going to get this tumor out of you that's killing you. Search me, O God, is an invitation to the master surgeon to remove what's killing you. It's the light of healing, not the light of condemnation. Search me, O God, is your first step to getting the cancer of sin out of your life. That's the first step. The second step, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Sounds easy, right? No. It's not easy at all. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how really bad it is? Here's what our hearts do. We deceive ourselves about our motives all the time. We rationalize, we deny. We say things like, I don't have a drinking problem. I just don't want to be a downer. It's just a little innocent flirtation. Everybody needs a friend. I'm not materialistic. I just have good taste. I'm not a gossip. I'm just telling people so that they can pray. We do this all the time. We lie. We lie to ourselves. The only one that really knows what's going on in our hearts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is God. And our prayer this morning is from the end of that chapter, but let's look back at the beginning. It says this in verse 1, O God, O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You see, there's no hiding from God, is there? Adam and Eve tried to do that, and it didn't work for them, and it doesn't work for us either. But we still try. Because one of the lies we tend to believe is that if we were truly known, we would not be loved by God. So hiding is a defense mechanism. It's our way of protecting ourselves. But here's the truth that might scare you, but it also may free you. You can't hide from God. God knows everything you and I have ever done or ever will do. That's the scary part. But here's the freeing part. 
He still loves you. He already knows everything. He's not running away from you. He's running towards you. In fact, he came a great distance and to great lengths to ensure he could save you from the disease that's killing you. It's easy to abstract that idea and think about it in terms of all humanity, but I want you to personalize that for you. He went to great lengths for you because he loves you. Hiding holds back healing. Search me, O God, and know my heart as a way of praying. God, I know there's a disease of sin in me, and I know that you love me anyway, so I'm going to come out of hiding, and I'm going to lay my heart on the operating table so that you can heal the things that are going on, the things that I don't even understand. I trust you to do the surgery to save my life because you love me. So the first part of our prayer is, search me, O God, and know my heart. The second part says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Who hates tests? Yeah, here's your chance to register yourself on the official I hate tests registry. Raise your hand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on that list too. But you know what tests are for? The purpose of a test is to reveal Either reveal what we know, don't know or what we do know. When we pray, God, test me, know my anxious thoughts, we're asking God to reveal to us what we're afraid of, what we're anxious about. Are you afraid of criticism or rejection? Are you afraid of failure? That's me. Are you afraid of losing your job or not getting married or being stuck in a bad marriage? Afraid of the future or of failure? Afraid of losing someone? Afraid of dying? Why do we need to know what we're afraid of? Because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most reveals what we trust, where we trust God the least. Is there an area of your life where you don't trust God? Why? One reason might be that it's hard to trust something you don't know and you don't have much experience with. God doesn't just magically download trust into your life. I wish it was like the matrix where we could just plug in and boom, we could upload trust into our life, but that's not how it works. If you want to trust God, you actually have to know him, just like you would have to get to know another person. We've already established that God knows you. Now you get to know him, and he can calm every fear in your life. There's an infinite number of things you could know about God. Here's just one. He's good. His goodness is one aspect of God's character, but that one thing is enough to soothe the fears, our fears, no matter what they are. God is not mean or selfish or vindictive. He is not careless or haphazard. He does not inflict pain for the fun of it. And God can take evil, pain, and suffering. He can even take death, and he can redeem them. He can cause good to be the result from it all. He does not cause evil, but he has the power to turn evil on its head so that what the enemy means for evil, God can work it out for good. When you know God is good... You trust him, and your fears are calmed. 
So on this last day of 2023, examine the areas that are causing you anxiety and ask yourself, is it because I have somehow forgotten that God is good, kind, wise, forgiving, patient, and sufficient? Knowing God can calm every fear in your life uh, is good. He already knows you. Now get to know him, spend time with him, and talk to him, and read his words to us. So, our scripture, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And the third step, point out anything in me that offends you. We've already established this morning that it's impossible to hide our sin from God. And second, it's unnecessary because God uncovers our sin, not to condemn us, but to heal and rescue and revive us. But this step in the prayer Point out anything in me that offends you. Gets at something that I think we don't always understand. Because we tend to think of sin as anything that breaks the law of God. To cheat, to steal, to murder. But it also gets at something deeper. One pastor put it this way. Sin is uh, anything that breaks the the law or the heart of God. Sin is lying to someone, and it's also insulting God or valuing someone or something more than him. Sin is murder, and it's also failing to love our neighbor. I think of it this way. My boys and my kids and my house could follow all my rules and still break my heart. That's the way we should think about God. Sin is anything that breaks the law or the heart of God. One is easier to discern than the other, but we need God's help to uncover the attitudes and actions that break his law or his heart. How does God uncover those things? We examine our lives. And I want to suggest three questions that you can ask yourself to help you. First, what are the closest people to me trying to tell me? The people who love you enough to tell you the truth are priceless. Listen to those people. My wife, if she was to point at something ugly in my life, I'm going to listen to her. Why? Because she has little to gain and a lot to lose. It may disrupt the the peace in our home for a while, but she will tell me anyway because she knows that I need to hear it. Her motivation is love. You need to listen to the people that love you, uh, what they're saying to you. We all need people that love us enough to tell us the truth. Are you sitting next to someone who loves you enough to tell you the truth? I want you to nudge them or send a text message to them today. Say, telling them, thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. The second question What have I been rationalizing? In other words, is there an area that you're saying, yeah, this may not be right, but it's just how I deal with things. This is how I cope. It's not really hurting anybody. This is my one thing. Rationalizing is a way of hiding from God. Third question you can ask yourself, where am I most defensive? You might say things like, who are you to judge me? No, I don't have a problem with that. Where are you most defensive? 
It's hard to do this, isn't it? In fact, it's humbling. It reminds us that we're in desperate need of God's grace because we break God's law and his heart all the time. We need more than just willpower. We need more than a New Year's resolution because no matter how much we know what the right thing, we cannot seem to do what is right. We make progress in this life, but we're never going to live up to God's standard. We need a Savior. Before we go any further this morning, I've asked the band to come up. And we're going to participate in something that goes along with this point. We're going to participate in communion. When the instructions were given about communion in the scriptures, they were told to examine yourselves. We're told to examine ourselves. So as you sit there today, and as they play this song, I want you to do this. Ask yourself these questions. Where am I most defensive? What have I been rationalizing? What are the people closest to me telling me? And get your heart right with God. No better way than to start this year off with a clean slate right before him. It's hard to do this. After this song, we're going to take communion together. Just hold the elements with you until we're ready to take them.
Would you stand with me? What God does, what Jesus did. There's no story in human history of any God becoming human. They're all far off. They're all petulant. They're all, all the other gods, they just are distant. Only one entered into our experience, took on our sin. And that's what communion is all about. You know what the best teacher is? Experience. If God's done that for you, what should we do for him? A God that came down in the form, what we just celebrated last week, Emmanuel, Christ with us. God gives us instructions for scripture, for communion. He said, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. A God that's been broken on your behalf, on my behalf, is a God I'm willing to serve for the rest of my life. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you came in the form of a, a helpless baby. Thank you that you lived a life and gave a demonstration of how we should live. And then you sacrificed yourself. God, thank you. Thank you. You let your body be broken for me. Thank you. Let us partake together. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance as me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Someday, the Lord shall ride on the clouds again, and he shall come until that day. May we be faithful serving him because he's done so much for us. Let us partake together. What better, no better end to this year than to examine our hearts before the Lord and to remember what he's done for all the junk that we have in there, that we can be forgiven of it, that we can have a new start, a new plan, a clean heart. 
because we don't examine ourselves so that we wallow in the past and stay stuck in our sin. We do it so we can move forward. Our prayer, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you. And the last part of our prayer is this, lead me along the path of everlasting life. You and I are on a path. It's leading to eternity, a place where sin doesn't exist, where there's no such thing as hiding, where there's no tears or pain or suffering. There's a reunion with God and there's a fullness of joy. I cannot wait to be there. Until then, we've got 2024 to go through. And I'm going to go through there. I'm going to go through it with you. No matter what, I'm going to be here. I want to encourage you to be here too. Make God important in 2024 in your life. He will not let you down. He will calm your fears. As long as you ask him to search your heart, test you, know your anxious thoughts, point out anything in you that offends him, and lead him along the path of everlasting life. Jesus knows the way. He is the way. Let him lead you through this next year and be with that. May God go with you this year. Have a great 2023, the last few hours of it, and enjoy 2024. God bless your grace. We'll see you next year.